This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Uh, Sexual abuse related distress in women with a history of sexual abuse in childhood or adolescence is a really challenging issue. I see patients uh, who've experienced this in my clinical practice and Chelsea Kalimnik, she's a PhD candidate from the University of Texas, is on the line with me from Texas to talk about the SEEDS treatment study for these women. Good evening, Chelsea. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you. So tell me, uh, it's great work that you're doing. I saw this on Twitter and um, you're recruiting at the moment in the U.S., Yes, for yeah, this study. and hopefully within Canada in the next month. Wonderful. So tell me why you embarked upon this type of research in in your lab, at the Meston Lab. Um, well, there's not a lot of treatment for people with these experiences um, so that encompass sexuality. So there are a few sex therapies that... Um, that are out there, but most of them are either modified for or just applied to people who have had sexual trauma, and there's nothing that's really been developed specifically for them. And so in this SEEDS, S-E-A-D-S, treatment study, uh, this is an mm-hmm. online treatment study? Explain how this works. Yeah, so it's an online writing intervention, and it's designed for women with a history of sexual abuse or non-consensual sexual experiences in childhood or adolescence. Um, basically, women are provided with a series of prompts five times over the course of three weeks and asked to respond to the prompts by writing reflectively about their sexual self or sexual beliefs. Um, and we assess uh, psychosexual well-being before and after the intervention and again one month later to see how the treatment has worked. Oh, uh, very interesting. So, uh, and so why did you decide to design the, the treatment this way? Well... Um, Many women with these experiences aren't able to access mental health treatment or therapy. Sometimes it's because of financial barriers or time barriers or not having childcare options or just the obstacle of having to confront these experiences with someone they don't know. That can be difficult. Um, So if this treatment is found effective online, um, it would be the first kind of cost-effective and really accessible way for women to start the therapeutic work on their own. Right. And and so the writing, what is it about the writing that is therapeutic? Yeah. So these prompts uh, were created by my doctorate advisor, which is Dr. Cindy Mostyn. Um, and it was borrowing from expressive writing that has been used for trauma and chronic pain um, that was has been worked on by Dr. Jamie Pennybaker. And the prompts were actually tested in lab with a group of women with a history of sexual abuse that were found to be effective at reducing um, psychological and sexual distress. But what actually makes the treatment work is not something that we really know at this point, and that's another thing that I'm hoping to examine in the study. Uh, We think it might be schema change. Um, Schemas are basically maps in our mind that are created from experiences or learning to help guide behaviors and beliefs. Um, So we have schemas for lots of things, and sexual schemas is just one of them. So you can imagine if you have... Um, a sexual schema that's really dominated by um, a negative or unhelpful um, perspective of sexuality, that that could have impacts on your mental health as well as your sexual health. And, and sometimes these schemas are experienced by women. And, and let's not forget that men have also been sexually abused as boys and adolescents Absolutely. as well. Um, and hopefully this treatment will work for them too. But some yeah. women can live these schemas for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that's not really paid attention to 
Um, when you think about the way that we go about treating um, sexual trauma, a lot of it is trauma-focused or mental health-focused, and there's not a lot of work done on kind of reclaiming sexuality afterwards. Um, and it's an area where there's a lot of confusion and shame, and it even stems into relationships like trust and intimacy. Um, and it can go on for a really long time, and there's not a clear way on how to intervene on that. Absolutely. And some some women, or I would probably say many, many women, find that sex, if after they've experienced sexual abuse as a child or an adolescent, they find sex dirty and they hate sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there tends to be kind of an aversion to it, um, fears of it. They can be triggered um, just kind of even thinking about it or going into the experience. And other women um, can have a, the opposite, where they're kind of seeking out sexual experiences and they're kind of almost, there's a hypersexuality component to it. And um, both of them can be, be really damaging and difficult to kind of navigate with new partners. They certainly can be. And, I, and I've seen that as well, that hypersexuality as well. And, and sometimes they aren't aware of the schema that they have been playing out uh, through their entire life. And it mm-hmm. can certainly be damaging in the relationship. So, so this uh, you're enrolling in the U.S. and this is a this uh, program is a free download on iTunes, which has no borders, no walls. Uh, so, mm-hmm. how could people get um, perhaps learn a little bit more about this? Absolutely. Research? So, um, on Facebook, they can look at the the Seeds Treatment Study on Facebook. It's S E A D S. Or you can just email us at the lab at mestinlab at utexas.edu. And that's M-E-S-T-O-N-L-A-B at utexas.edu. Thank you so much, Chelsea Kilimnik, PhD candidate, University of Texas. Thanks for joining me tonight. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Maureen. I appreciate it. Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. If you have any questions, the number to call is 1-877-399-9898. That's 1-877-399-9898. You may have a question or two because I have an erudite psychiatrist on uh, with me right now. Um, We're going to be talking about sex uh, how sex is good for our mental health. Dr. Mohammed Abdel Fattah joins me on the line, or otherwise known as Dr. Mo. Hello, Dr. Mo. Hello, Maureen. How are you? Very well. Oh, how about you? I'm very well, thank you very much. Thanks Excellent. for asking. Um, we understand that sex is good for us, it benefits us in many ways, um, and research has also found that being sexually active is good for physical health. It may help to burn a few calories, not too many. And frequent orgasms have been linked to better immune function and longer life expectancies. So it's been said that your biggest sex organ is your brain. And neurotransmitters have a big role in this, and especially in sexual desire. And so many men and women experience low sexual desire. And sometimes this low sexual desire, if it's not treated uh, or transient or able to be turned around by getting a little bit more rest or dealing with stress or finances, sometimes it's a medical condition called hypoactive sexual desire disorder. So how, what role do the neurotransmitters play in a person's sexual desire and mood and everything that goes along with great sex? Well, uh, uh, the dopamine is very important in general to uh, develop the arousal 
and enhance his sexuality. On the contrary, serotonin in general lower that libido response or sexual response uh, to stimuli and it might even uh, take away the pleasure of uh, the act itself. And so it's important that those neurotransmitters are in balance. Is that correct in order that to have... Correct. That is correct. And so uh, it stands to reason that if somebody has low sexual desire, which is a huge complaint for patients that I see in my clinical practice and uh, from whom I hear either through the radio or, or email, um, this is a big issue in relationships where one partner has low sexual desire and they don't know why. Okay, there are two components of low sexual desire. The psychological component, which is related to the psychosexual development, attachment issues. But the other component, which is a biological that you are talking about, it could be genetic and it could be in relation to, again, the disbalance between the, uh, the neurotransmitters and the hormones as well. So the hormones are important in modulating the neurotransmitters. And by hormones, do you mean testosterone in men and, and women and estrogen, um, those hormones? Exactly, exactly yes. So... So we know that testosterone increases the desire, increases the, uh, 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 the uh, it helps with the performance, and uh, also it's important for the orgasm, either for men or for women. Estrogen, on the other hand, is good for vaginal lubrication. Uh, progesterone, uh, which is... Uh, uh, higher uh, prior to the menstrual period, uh, it, 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 it dampens the effect of uh, uh, noradrenergic receptors on the prefrontal cortex. Uh, uh, those areas are very important in developing the And so how is it that, I, I often say, uh, Dr. Mo, that uh, everybody who's ever experienced uh, depression or anxiety or hypoactive sexual desire disorder should have the benefit of, of seeing somebody like you because you have such a great understanding of how neurotransmitters work. And I, I didn't mention before that you're a clinical associate professor of psychiatry at the University of British Columbia. Um, how is it that um, you know, brain health is getting a little bit more attention uh, these days and, you know, caring for your brain, like caring for other parts of your body, your heart and liver, um, you know, is, is important. And how is it that people can keep their neurotransmitters in balance? What are some of the things that they can do, if you will, with conservative measures? I don't want to use the word naturally, <laughs> natural, but okay. how can they live in order to have um, a balance in their neurotransmitters? Okay, to have a balance in neurotransmitters, uh, if it is genetic and if it has a biological effect on the function of the individual, of course, we 
the most important thing is good sleep, number, which is circadian rhythm sleep, exercise, medication, uh, psychologically helping and developing a proper intimacy because a stronger sexual intimacy are reported be, between people who are able to give and perceive love with minimum fear and conflict. Hmm. Those people that they are able to develop this intimacy, they are able, uh, they have the capacity to develop a genuine, a genuine uh, relationship. Uh, depression, you're talking about depression. Uh, there are a lot of studies that shows that penile vaginal intercourse has important mood enhancing benefits. Obviously because of the perceived equality of a relationship in the five domains which are in the area of satisfaction, intimacy, trust, uh, passion, and love. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, they related that, obviously, the psychological aspect of being close to each other, the oxytocin, the hormone oxytocin that is secreted uh, with the orgasm, which bond the people together, also, the intravaginal absorption of the semens, the prostaglandins, and perhaps semens, testosterone, and the luteinizing hormone, those have antidepressant effects. So it does, biologically, it does help women to get their orgasm and also to improve on their sexual uh, desire. Uh, and it is anti the, uh, once you have this uh, emotional integration between all the above, the hormones, the neurotransmitters, the arousal perception, and the vaginal response, all of this has effect on the, the relie relieving the depressive symptoms. It, very interesting. It's it's a bit of an orchestra, isn't it, or, or a concert? Everything has to be in tune and kind of playing together at the same time. Agreed. Yes. And uh, and there is also one study showed that areas in the limbic system of the brain that are activated by emotions or fears and anxiety. It was quite noticeable that they become quiescent when the woman experiences orgasm. So again, sex has anti-anxiety effect. And yet uh, many people with anxiety um, will delay having sex or put it off or they, they can't be in the moment um, to enjoy sex. It's, and, and one of the treatments is mindfulness, cognitive behavioral therapy. And, and so really um, practicing mindfulness daily, meditating and when you're 
intimate with your partner, it's best to focus on that as opposed to focusing on something else. That is correct. So the other question I had for you is uh, many people haven't got the skills to deal with conflict when that arises. And can, how much does that, how important is it to resolve issues maybe from your past or um, your issues with your partner? Some people are non-confrontational. They don't want to speak up. They can't find their voice. How important is it for a, not just a healthy sex life or great sex, but um, a good life to resolve conflicts? Why are we so afraid of that? Well, uh, as we mentioned at the beginning, the psychosexual development and the psychosexual development is in direct relationship to early conflicts in life, uh, relationships, uh, cultural stigma, uh, fears, In other words, uh, your great sex can be uh, related to uh, what's going on in your head and bad sex or, or lack of sex can also be related to what's going on in your head. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, true. And the practice as well. Because those who practice penile vaginal intercourse, the, the outcomes of mental well-being and the physical well-being are much higher than any other form of sexual uh, experience or practice. So that's a great message to end on. I, I wish we could ha- keep this conversation going a little bit longer, but I do look forward to speaking together with you in a few weeks. Uh, Dr. Mohammed Abdel Fattah, Dr. Mo, thank you so much. Clinical professor at the University of British Columbia. Thanks for joining me tonight and all that great information, Dr. Mo. You're very welcome, Maureen. 
Welcome back to the Sunday Night Health Show. Maureen McGrath hosting this program for you. My guest is Julia Kovacs. She is an intimacy coach at juliakovacs.com. And Julia is passionate and dedicated to share her vast experiences and training in expanded sexual practices through Morehouse One Taste and various tantric, taust, and shamanic schools. She loves to engage the community in her popular Facebook group, Soul Sexy Life. There is a chance to meet her in person and go beyond the intellectual connection. She has also incorporated bodywork, breathwork, and the meaning of sacred touch into her sharing. Her goal is to be the bridge between this esoteric and time-consuming practices and summarize the wisdom and teachings and make it applicable to today's modern individual who has very little time to engage. Thanks for joining me on the line, Julia. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is so exciting. I've been admiring your work for a long time. So oh. I'm really excited to be able to uh, connect with you this way. Oh, that's very sweet of you. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if you were listening to the email that I read um, earlier, but it was, you know, I, I see a lot of women in my clinical practice. They have difficulty experiencing orgasm. Some women don't believe that it's important. Some women believe that sex is strictly for their male partner if they're in a heterosexual relationship. Nature is truly magic, and we are blessed with this sexuality, but we may not tap into it at all times of our lives. And there may be different uh, conditions or different experiences that may or may not contribute to having, to experiencing great pleasures. We live in repressed cultures. Many people are suffering and you know, it's it's difficult to look at ourselves as, as sexually inadequate, and but yet many people have ex- issues with poor orgasms or inability to experience orgasm, numbness, pain, premature ejaculation, other issues. So you offer uh, courses around the intimate art of sacred sexuality, and, and specifically I'd like to talk about the orgasm workshop mm-hmm. that you hold repeatedly, right. yeah, because it's good yeah, to have multiples. <laughs> right, right, right. That's right. And it, 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 it's been quite a, a journey to be able to come up with something that covers all of what you have said, um, because you don't you don't know where to begin. And it's really just unpacking it layer by layer of what it is. But from what I have learned through various uh, teachings and, and, and then women talking about it, that there's no such thing as an anorgasmic women. Like frigidity technically doesn't exist unless you have some sort of health issues. And even then uh, that can be worked on. Um, and even with the clitoral mutilation um, that should remove part of the clitoris so you don't actually um, ex- feel pleasure, um, the latest data shows um, that actually the body can regenerate even there. Mm -hmm. So our bodies are amazing and they can heal. I think the biggest issue is the mindset and the cultural conditioning that people have been exposed to for centuries, really. And and it feels like an insurmountable blockages that uh, are created. So what I attempt to do generally is to find where the blocks were created and at one point, and if it's an intellectual, if it's a, if it's a health thing, if somebody was touched inappropriately, because our bodies respond and they freeze. Uh, if it happened as a child, you're not even aware of it, but uh, our bodies house those, those kinds of um, uh, experiences and then they, they block 
further pleasure because it, the, the, the abuse or the inappropriate touch or whatever that being had experienced at the time, um, it, it, it registers to the brain as, um, as danger. And so our brain is amazing. It, it protects us from danger, um, but it also protects us from perceived danger. And if you were touched in any point in your life, if somebody snapped at you or yelled at you or your voice was stifled or um, there's shame around your body or your, and let's face it, right, Maureen, like who doesn't have shame around their body? And, and we live in a, in a culture where everything is sexualized, everything that we are sold is based on, uh, on, on our sexiness and sexuality of it. But in reality, uh, nobody has ever taught us how to be in our body, what to do with our bodies, like given this amazing machinery and then just throw you out on the road and say, okay, go drive this uh, Tesla, you know? Right. But is it natural for some people that, uh, especially if they are with the right person and there's a chemical, you know, there's chemistry between the two, is it just something that um, occurs naturally and, and with the excitement and the release of endorphins and the, and the neurotransmitters, is there, you know, a certain amount of people that um, can just enjoy this sexual? More than, other, more than others. Or, or is that what you're asking? Like, if there is just chemistry, then it just kind of happens, and it, it and and maybe it happens with one person, and it won't happen with another person. Yes. Is that your question. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There is definitely there is definitely body types, and there is definitely uh, emotionally matching types as well. That you and it's not always the healthiest connections I've noticed. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes you can have really amazingly hot sex with a guy you would never want to be in a relationship That's with. That's right. Exactly. You know? Exactly. That, yes. You know, and that is and that is something I have to say I still don't have an answer to. I think sages probably have answers to that. I think what what the closest I've come to that is that every time I'm in that kind of a connection, uh, the, the, again, it's this magical way that the universe is putting you into these positions because because the, the attraction is so strong and and it's almost irresistible and we kind of sell our soul, you know, for yeah. for the night of ecstasy. Exactly. And, then, and, and risk right? a lot. And and many people risk uh, their careers and, and risk everything. their families and everything, everything for just one night of, of fabulous sex. So I just want to get to your courses. Sure. Um, how how do these orgasm classes run? What do you actually do? Uh, well, I, I produce two videos, uh, which is uh, one is uh, a pussy massage or yoni massage or whatever you know name you feel comfortable with, and it and it's based on Tibetan tantra practices and it's ancient practices, and it's and uh, it's based it's basically teaching people how to touch. Uh, female genitalia because really nobody ever teaches you you know like uh, you know when you're young you know the women are told or the little girls are told they don't even have a relationship with their pussy and the boys if they're playing with their penises they're told not to touch it and and so then all of a sudden you hit teenage years and then you're all of a sudden you expected to know what to do with the with the boys and the girls so i basically go to the very root of it and of course you know what i teach is not for teenagers however it's the gap the 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 
the teaching part that you never got as uh, as a young adult moving into your sexual life. Okay, I want to read an email to you. I just sure. want your um, opinion on this. So this is a you know an older gentleman. I mean, he looked kind of sure. late forties, early fifties mm-hmm. on LinkedIn. <laughs> my problem mm-hmm. is that my wife does not get an orgasm until I stimulate her clitoris. Is that normal? Mm-hmm. So I wrote back and said seventy percent of women require clitoral stimulation to experience orgasm. And he writes back, okay, thanks. It means thirty percent without that. What are the key factors and reasons to get her to orgasm naturally? And I wrote back, she is orgasming naturally. <laughs> it's a matter of circumstances, physiology, anatomy, and more. And he wrote back, nice interpretation. He continued to email me, but I couldn't. You know, you, sometimes you just have to cut them off. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and that's and again, just not having the education. I mean, it's literally, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you know that even the, the discovering that the clitoris and 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 how uh, big and extensive that organ is is yes um, and 8000 nerves right and it's only a, it's only the last 10 15 years that we actually know about it there's just not enough research there's not enough interest into actually knowing the female anatomy and so the 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 vast majority of people who are out there are not educated and they wouldn't know and from his responses i can immediately tell that he's in the probably doesn't know but it's very difficult for men to admit the- that they don't know how to pleasure their wives and then they're looking for like, oh, well, there must be something wrong because the number one question that everybody wants to know, like, why don't women orgasm through intercourse? That's right. Right. And it's like, and, and, and because it's a male driven sex and, you know, and, and it feels good for a man and therefore it should feel good for us. But women are like water. It takes 40 you know, 40 minutes for us to warm up. It's not like, okay, I can just look at porn for a second and I'm already sudden and I'm like dripping wet and I want to have sex. It's like our bodies are designed to receive. And in order for us to receive, we have to feel extremely safe. And that's, that's physiological and primal for women to be able to feel safe emotionally, physically, in many other ways in order to receive that foreign body so to speak and then for to orgasm from that unless it's like a really con- a, a, a hot connection as we were talking about or really right. love or passion it's not going to happen it's right gonna, you know there's so many other components to it of course and, and some women, women will never never orgasm through intercourse ever and there's nothing wrong with them <laughs> and, and some women will orgasm you know with uh, with penetrative sex with Johnny but not with Billy right yes. so it's a, yes. it's different for different yes. men I have another email that I got. I don't know if if, these are messages on LinkedIn. So I wrote a little post. I I write about twice weekly on LinkedIn, little posts Uh about patients in my clinical practice. And, Uh and so I wrote this fairly, you know, for lack of a better term, vanilla post about what does it mean to have great sex? What does great sex take? Uh And, and so, you know, kind of as a pun on a play on words, um, you know, which I often use in them, I I said, um, you know, yes, sure. um, You know, anal and oral, blah, blah, fine. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this little threesome. And I said, trust and honesty and vulnerability. And and so then I get a message from a guy and he writes, I saw your post. It's amazing and kinky. But is it wise to go for a threesome for a couple like me and my wife to boost our sex life? And and I thought, you know, I'm like, was that the post on how to have great sex? I didn't even know what he was talking about. And so then I said, when I said there's a threesome, the threesome was a play on words, trust, honesty, and vulnerability. And then he emailed, you know, a bit more and, and he was yeah. sort of saying about,
about him and his wife. And I assumed that he and his wife had actually had this conversation. But then I realized from what he wrote to me, they hadn't even had this conversation. I'm like, this is a conversation you need to have with your wife, not me. So he continued to message me and, you know, at which point I had to cut him off. <laughs> yes. well, I admire, admire that you're actually getting into these conversations and then it just, because it's, it's actually extremely frustrating uh, because you realize that, you know, how much the basis, what we would need in order for our sex life to actually flourish, that we don't have the basics, which is emotional, emotional stability, emotional safety, uh, physical safety. And like what you're saying, like trust, honesty and vulnerability, wouldn't that be like a prerequisite to be in an intimate relationship? And yet it even like goes over people's heads. Ex- like, exactly. <laughs> he just saw the threesome and that was it. He got all excited. <laughs> Loved your kinky awesome. post. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's, you know, because we are living in a, in a porn driven, you know, environment. We where, are. And then, you know, and then, and then the threesome sounds amazing. And I think when women who are actually have the trust and honesty and vulnerability and develop that amazingly stable relationship, they would also be, you know, more open to a threesome. But if you don't have those three in place, forget about the ideal threesome because it's not going to work. You're Absolutely. Gonna, you failed at, at relationship number, you know, 101. That's right. You, you know, you cannot be playing with the masters if you are, you know, you haven't passed first grade. Absolutely. Julia, I love the work that you do. It's fantastic. I'd love to have you Thank back you. Um, to talk a little bit more about uh, your orgasm workshop, which you hold <laughs> multiple times. Which is awesome. Yes. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they would like to? Thank you. Uh, yeah, I hold the, uh, the the workshops monthly, and uh, I have a website, juliakovacs.com, and also soulsexy.life, where the videos are available. And I have a Facebook group called soulsexy.life, which is which is where I'm most active, and daily I post from everywhere and I do believe in the universality of this so I don't you know adhere to one school or another I like to represent everybody because I think we live in a time of emergency and we have to we absolutely have to reclaim our human sexuality if we want to evolve as human beings and be kinder and more loving towards each other absolutely and these issues certainly are universal thank you Julia Kovacs yeah, so thank much thank you for having me you're thank very you, welcome awesome. you've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast listen live at cknw.com the Radio Player Canada app tune in Amazon Alexa HD radio at 101.1 FM HD 2 and on the AM dial 980 CKNW.